Welcome to the Christian Adoption Coaching Podcast, where couples come for the guidance and tools to build a family through adoption while receiving the continued support and education after finalization. All of this is anchored in the truth, beauty, and goodness of our faith. With the adoption coaches Stacy Sanger and Shannon Slattery as your host, you will learn how to gain the confidence, tools, and clarity you will need as you build your family through adoption and strengthen it through all the aspects of your lives because together we make a family. Hello, hello, it's Shannon. And this is Stacy. And we are from Christian Adoption Coaching. And today on our podcast, we are so, so excited. We have my cousin, her name is Brandy, and she um, has adopted. And I'm going to let her tell her whole story. But um, basically, she has a child that she has adopted that has RAD. You may not even know what RAD is, but we're going to learn what RAD is. Um, and all the amazing things that, um, excuse me, and all the amazing things that uh, Brandy and her family have had to do um, and have and are continuing to do on a daily basis. So Brandy, I'm going to let you take it. Welcome. Thank you. Um, my name's Brandy, and I, as Shannon said, I'm her cousin, um, and I am a single mom who adopted two girls. Um, And uh, as Shannon said, one of them has RAD, which stands for reactive attachment disorder. Um, My girls are currently 14 and nine, hard to believe, but um, the nine-year-old I adopted at birth um, out of the hospital um, and the 14-year-old uh, I adopted at the age of eight and I'm her second adoption. So it's how I became a mom. So that is awesome. All right. So can you, I actually went on to the next one, Stacy. That was good. you, but I'm just going to go with it. Can you explain what RAD is? Yeah. So like I said, RAD stands for reactive attachment disorder. Um, and it is something that um, happens in the brain with um, children who have had some kind of trauma um, before the age of three, typically. Um, and when most people that have heard of RAD um, think of RAD, they think, they think of kids who have been adopted or abused or neglected, um, but it can also come from things like um, being in the hospital a lot when you're really young, or if your parents are divorced and you go back and forth a lot between the two parents and you don't have a lot of stability before the age of three, that can also um, cause RAD. So uh, what happens is the child's, um, the part of their brain that alerts to danger um, starts to think of caregivers as something that is not consistent or stable and doesn't meet their needs. And so their brain starts to uh, react to any kind of caregiving as a danger. Um, So when you try to love the child and provide for them, um, it's what they crave most, but their brain unfortunately tells them that it's dangerous. And so they push you away and engage in all kinds of behaviors that um, make it difficult to attach to the child um, and results in an unhealthy attachment between the parent and the child. Um, That is very interesting. Um, I had no idea 
um, exactly even what RAD was until, until um, Shannon introduced the idea to me. Um, I was curious, what caused you to get her diagnosed or caused you to seek answers? Well, um, Olivia is my 14 year old. Um, when I, um, I'd already adopted my youngest Bryn um, and she was about two at the time. Uh, and I got a call from the state saying, you know, hey, are you interested in adopting again? We have this kid um, that we think you might be great for. Um, and I forgot to mention, I am a pediatric occupational therapist. So I work with kids um, that have difficulties like RAD. They have a lot of social and emotional issues, um, sensory, behavioral. Um, so when this family reached out and said, hey, we have this child we adopted and it's just, it, we're not, it's not working. Like she's not doing well in our home. We love her, but we feel like we're not meeting her needs and we're trying to get help and we're not making progress. Um, I think we need to um, disrupt this adoption. And she'd been there and been adopted by this family for three years. Um, so when she called the state, they were like, well, basically you're just, you know, you're out of luck. You adopted her. She's yours. Um, but there was one caseworker who had been my, my youngest, um, caseworker during her adoption. And she said, oh, wait, wait, I might know somebody. So they reached out and asked if I would be interested. So they connected us. Um, and when I met Olivia, she was, um, just turning seven and, um, as soon as I met her, I could tell that there were some things that were a little different about her that she wasn't, you know, necessarily typically developing, but I didn't exactly know, you know, what those things were. Um, and the mom had tried her best. She'd asked questions, just wasn't getting anywhere, you know, oh, she looks fine. She's well-behaved, you know, you're, it's, she has behaviors at home, just love her. She'll be fine, you know, um, and she just wasn't making any progress. So she decided to disrupt the adoption and I agreed to adopt her. Um, and after she moved in with me, um, uh, you know, we started occupational therapy, speech therapy, physical therapy, vision therapy, um, counseling. Um, I took her to an eye doctor, you know, I mean, like we just, there was all these things that we were trying to figure out, um, you know, because I knew that um, she just didn't quite seem typically developing, you know, and I couldn't tell what was from, you know, just having a lot of different homes in the beginning. Cause I was her fifth home, you know, in second adoption. So I didn't know if it was just from, you know, being passed around and not having consistency or if there was something else going on. Um, but the more comfortable she got in our home and the more we tried to provide her with a loving family, the more behaviors we started seeing. Um, she would, um, she was seven and I adopted her on her eighth birthday, um, still was not potty trained. Um, but it, it didn't, it was very inconsistent. It didn't, she could hold it for months and, you know, and use the bathroom and then suddenly would just start peeing everywhere. Um, she'd pee on the floor in her room. She was taking food and hoarding it and hiding it in her room. Um, so, which as far as I'd known, she didn't have any neglect or, um, restriction of food, but I went ahead and approached it as if she had and let her have free access. Um, she started stealing things, um, from family and also from the store. Um, 
my mom was my primary caregiver while I was at work and Livy was doing things like um, throwing herself at my mom and knocking her down. She gave her whiplash. She gave her a black eye. She bit her. Um, it was just, it was just really bizarre, just out of proportion reactions to little things. Um, and we tried every therapy known to mankind. I think I spent like five days a week in different therapies with her and we just weren't making progress. Um, so I had asked a physician that we were seeing about um, reactive attachment disorder because I'd heard of it and they said, oh, no, 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 it's very rare. Like, you know, no, it's nobody, nobody gets diagnosed with that. It's, it's extremely rare, um, you know, and she, she shows too much emotion. She can't have rat. Um, so I, I took that. I was like, okay, fine, you know, but um, after six years of doing the same things over and over and making zero progress, um, I knew that there had to be something else going on. So I started uh, doing more research and trying to figure out if there was somebody out there that could help us. Um, so that kind of started us on our journey. Wow. That. Wow. So yeah. what, how did you get her diagnosed? Well, that is, that is the hardest part. It is, um, there are not very many people that will diagnose a child with reactive attachment disorder, unfortunately, um, mostly because they don't have training on it. Um, I've found that there's very few professionals that come in contact with families that that are really familiar with RAD. They may have heard of it and think they know about it, but they don't really have extensive training in it. Um, so I, um, I was talking to psychiatrists and psychologists, um, counselors, developmental pediatricians, um, and you know, they diagnosed her with um, ADHD, oppositional defiance disorder and depression. Um, and some of the meds for ADHD and, and for ODD, for oppositional defiance, they helped, they kind of took the edge off, but it just wasn't quite doing what we were wanting, uh, like wanting to see from the meds. Um, and by chance, a friend of mine sent me an article um, that she had read, and it was by this group called Rad Advocates. And so I was reading the article and it was just talking about kids with attachment problems. And at the bottom, it mentioned a conference they were having. Um, and this was August of 2021. And they were having a conference in September of 2021. Um, and so I called my mom and said, we are going to this conference. <laughs> I don't care what it takes, you and I, we are going. Um, so we signed up and we went to this conference and um, you know, I, I had been going to trauma conferences around the country for years, trying to find something that would help us and the kids that I work with in my therapy practice. Um, but it just never quite fit, but I walked into this rad advocates conference and it was like, I had found my people, um, the stories they were telling, it was like, they'd been in my house. Um, like they had cameras, they were watching. It was like, how do you know this? You know? Um, and when they started talking, um, all the professionals that they had there, um, it's like they were talking about Olivia. It was amazing. Um, and so before I even left that conference, I had, um, and of course this is in the middle of COVID. So I had 
online appointments with everybody because um, there was no in-person in appointments at this time. Um, but I had online appointments with um, a counselor or psychologist, I'm not sure what, I think he's a counselor, who specializes in reactive attachment disorder um, and he diagnoses it. So um, within a month of being at the conference, we had uh, like a two hour online appointment with him and he had me fill out questionnaires and he interviewed Olivia, he interviewed myself and my mom and diagnosed her with um, severe reactive attachment disorder. But we were also concerned that there were some other factors in play. Um, so he referred us to a psychiatrist that specializes in reactive attachment disorder. And we had an online appointment with him and he, you know, did more of the same, you know, online questionnaires and interviews with the family. And he diagnosed Livy with uh, mixed bipolar disorder, which is not uncommon for kids that have reactive attachment disorder to either end up with, um, um, oh, I can't think of the name of the diagnosis right now. It'll come to me. Um, but there's a couple of diagnoses that tend to run with, by, with RAD. Um, so he gave us suggestions of medications to try and therapies to try. Um, and we found a psychiatrist locally that would manage her medications. Good, and good. Um, she, that's been helping quite a bit. You know, it's not a magic fix, but it does. Um, it, what happens is it takes the, the edge off and kind of calms Livy down enough that She's not so, it's not, there's not such a big knee jerk reaction. She's actually calm enough that she can listen and hopefully learn. Um, unfortunately, while we were doing the testing, we were also getting tested at her school. She has an um, individual education plan, an IEP. And we were doing testing around the same time at school for her new IEP and found that she had um, an intellectual disability as well. So her IQ is um, 69. So unfortunately the, the fear is that because she has a low IQ along with bipolar and reactive attachment disorder, she's not likely to take what she's learning and generalize it to life. So her prognosis is kind of limited by her cognition. Um, so she'll probably need to live in a group home when she's older and have um, help with job skills and living skills. Um, but we're at least, she's at least now we're not having the great big screaming outbursts and she's not hurting people um, in the home. So, you know, we've made progress. That's awesome. Very good. Thank I you. have, oh, sorry. I have um, a question that's kind of off our script, but I don't think it'll be a problem. Um, I know uh, some people that are going through this and they're going, oh my gosh, that's my child. They're listening to all the things that you've gone through and they're going, holy cow, what does her medical bills look like? Do you find that, uh, do you find that insurance covers a lot of that or? I am very lucky um, because Livy is adopted. Um, she's on my insurance through my job as primary and then the state covers secondary. So. 90% of her appointments, I don't have to pay a dime for, um, for the, um, the two specialists that I worked with remotely after the conference, I did have to pay them out of pocket. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I used her adoption subsidy for that. Um, and it was, um, it was worth it. I mean, it was mm -hmm. between the two, it was less than $2,000. Yeah. Um, and it was well worth it after yeah. the years of trying to get help. Uh, yeah. So money well spent. Yeah. Um, my, my other question that's off, um, off of our list is, um, I know that we have found um, a lot of support systems for ODD um, on Facebook and stuff like that groups um, that you enter in very similar to what you said at the conference. Um, you like walk in and you're like, these are my people. Yeah. Um, same experience. Are there groups um, on social media for RAD? Yes, there are. There's some pretty good groups on Facebook um, and your child doesn't have to have a diagnosis yet mm -hmm. because that's the problem is most of our kids aren't going to get the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, there are a lot of us that are on Facebook that support each other. It's, um, you know, and a lot of families enter saying, you know, we don't have a diagnosis yet, but this sounds like my child and I mm -hmm. think it's what they have or some variation of. Um, and I think, one thing that's frustrating for me is I, I think of rad as a, a spectrum, kind of like the autism spectrum. There's kids mm -hmm. that have really severe autism and there's kids that have very mild, you know, and they're high functioning. I think rad is very similar. Um, there's, there's a spectrum of it. Mm -hmm. And when professionals are thinking of rad, they are thinking of the really severe kids who are, you know, killing their parents or, torturing animals or, you know, and Absolutely. they're not all like that. Um, right. Some of them are milder than that. Um, and, and some make amazing progress uh, mm -hmm. with the right therapies and the right support. Um, you know, so I think it's a spectrum and it's just not getting recognized as such by professionals because there's not a lot of research or education out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely, I completely see what you're saying. I mean, I think a lot of these um, disorders are the same same way. I mean, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you put some in a very radical box where, you, and the ones that aren't radical get kind of left behind. And, and that was that's been Livy our our whole you know life together so far. Is she is just not severe enough for so many things that you know oh well yeah you know she's got some problems with this but they're not real severe so we're not going to work on this yeah. or yeah. we're not going to diagnose it or we're not going to treat it um yeah. but when you add it all up it, you know it's this whole you know it's this whole knot that you have to work at mm -hmm. um you know and you have to pull on one string for a while to fix this piece and then you got to switch gears and work on something else for a while and, it's, and it you can know, be it can be mentally tiring it's exhausting. Um, yeah. 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 That ties right into our next question. So what's a typical day in your family like? <laughs> a good day, oh. bad day. You can describe both, <laughs> whatever. Well, how about like a, a middle of the road day, like typical to start? Um, so I, I have to have things pretty regimented for Olivia. Um, she doesn't do well with... Um, a lot of freedom or leeway. Um, so, and, you know, I get her up around the same time every morning and I have to remind her of her few chores. She helps take care of the animals in the morning and I have to remind her and I have to check that she's done it. And, and in this case, in my case, we have cameras in 
all the common living spaces because um, that's part of how we cut down on the stealing, but it also gives me the opportunity to check and see if Livy actually fed the cats or actually cleaned the litter box or went in the bathroom and brushed her teeth, you know, um, because she will tell me that she has deodorant. Uh huh. And if I am not <laughs> right there with her, I have no way of telling. And so our, you know, our animals have gotten neglected because she's insisted that she fed them. And, and then I go check and it's like, no, you haven't gone near the cat food box and, you know, in 24 hours, like they're probably mm -hmm. starving. Let's go feed them, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and it's also a pr protection for my, my younger, because they do, um, you know, they are siblings, they go at it to, you know, at each other occasionally. Um, but in our case, Livy never tells the truth. So I have to have the cameras available um, to see what she's doing. And that, and that way I don't have to be with her all the time. Cause I really, you know, it's hard to follow them around everywhere. Um, yes. So she gets up and does her chores and gets ready usually with frequent reminders. Um, if it's a school day, you know, we get her out the door to school and then in the afternoon, it's kind of the same on repeat, you know, have you done your homework? Um, have to keep her where I can see her on her computer because she will go off into different, you know, YouTube or whatever. Um, and um, on days that we're home, um, like like right now on for the holidays, um, I, you know, I give her some freedom, um, but I have to kind of know where she's at and what she's doing, because if she has too much free time. Um, she's very impulsive. And so when something crosses her mind, like, Hey, that phone looks really cool. I think I'm going to pick it up. And then she takes it and then you never see it again. You know, so you just have to keep an eye on her, um, on really good days. Um, Livy will every once in a blue moon, I'll find her in the kitchen, like doing dishes without being asked. And, and then I'm like, wait, do you have a fever? Is there something wrong? Did you do something? Do you need something? Like, why, why are you doing this? Um, but occasionally she, you know, she actually just has a good day where everything falls together in her brain. And she's like, oh, the dishes need to be done and she'll do them. Um, and we can kind of, you know, joke with her some days, um, she, I'm pretty sarcastic and it has taken her years to figure out my sense of humor. And now she will say, oh, that was sarcasm, wasn't it? You know, um, so, she, you know, there's days where she can be pretty nice and, and have a good sense of humor and, um, you know, we can have fun. Um, it's just, you have to be really careful because she can flip on a dime. Um, bad days. Um, Livy ends up running a lot of laps in the yard. Um, we have found one thing that she's really good at is running. And so um, sometimes we'll send her out into the yard or down the street um, to run laps. She was in cross country for a while. Um, and it kind of just, we tell her, you need to go reset your brain. You know, you're gonna get in trouble if you keep talking. So just go outside, reset, um, just, you know, but she, her default, method of communication with family is very rude and disrespectful um so even just a simple simple question like you know did you brush your teeth and she just answers you know extremely rude and disrespectful and or yells at you or stomps off you know typical teenage stuff 
but it's never ending in our house. It's just, mm -hmm. it's constant. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I usually, I just will say, um, try again, mm -hmm. try again until she finally gets her voice and her face <laughs> to where, you know, it, it, she's able to have a, you know, decent conversation where you don't feel like, you know, looks could kill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, I think and, you know, I think um, a lot of times I find myself saying, okay, is this teenage behavior? Yes. Or is it, you know? Yes. And that, that's kind of, you know, she is a teenager. She's 14 and, you know, she's got the whole teenage attitude going, but she's had that since I met her <laughs> at age six. And it's, it's like a teenager on steroids. It just, mm -hmm. it never stops. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the hard part. Uh, yeah. And she just takes it all to extremes. So mm -hmm. I agree. I can see you. I can empathize. Um, we are going to take a pause and um, we are going to continue our conversations on our next episode uh, so that um, we can, um, I guess, condense this a little bit um, on our podcast. And I don't know why I'm explaining this, but anyway, we're going to take a pause and um, we will be back next time to talk about um, the different ways that um, you address rad in your house, which you've discussed a lot of it, um, but we're going to review it. We're going to talk about um, uh, if there's a cure for rad um, advice that you would give other parents. Um, and I know parents that are listening to this, what you just gave us are going to immediately go to the next one because they're going to be like, this is home. You, you're reading my mind. So thank you for sharing. Um, if you have any other questions, please join us on our social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or join us at www.christianadoption-coaching.com. And we'll be yeah. happy to talk to you there. <laughs> Shannon, can you close us with a prayer? Absolutely. Father God, we just thank you for this time. And Lord, I thank you that Brandy was willing to, to share her story with us and, and her heart. And Lord, I um, have watched as this has been a major journey for them. And I just pray that you will just bless them and that you will continue to guide them in ways that they can um as Brandy seeks ways to, to make her family stronger and to meet the needs of all of her children. And I thank you for that. And we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to the Christian Adoption Coaching Podcast. Come join us at Christian Adoption Coaching Community at www.christianadoption-coaching.com. That's christianadoption-coaching.com. And visit us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Have a blessed day.